Hello, everybody. Welcome to Mindful Metal Jacket. I am Joseph Albert List. Alberto Listo. That was cultural appropriation. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here, everybody. I'm happy that you are here. I am about to jet set off on a little vacation at the time of you hearing this. Uh, well, I don't know when you'll be listening, but if you listen right when it comes out, I'm on my way to Fenway Park for the Boston Red Sox game. And then I'm heading up to Maine for the week where I love to be, spend some time with my family, the source of many of my mental problems, of course, but also the source of much joy. As John Hughes wrote in the wonderful 1990 motion picture, Home Alone, how you feel about your family is a complicated thing. Hmm? Isn't that right? Is there anybody better than John Hughes? I say no. To hear more on this topic, more on this topic, check out my other podcast, Joe and Ronan Talk Movies, also available on YouTube, this very YouTube channel. You can go check that out. It's a lot of fun. But anyways, family's complicated, complicated. So is the word complicated. And uh, we're going into the uh, 4th of July. I hope everyone is safe. I hope everyone enjoys themselves. This is uh, was going to be the, the symbolic end to COVID. I feel like it already ended, but now I'm hearing what this Delta shit. Uh, great airline. Anyways, I hope you're doing well. I want you to be safe and uh, take moments to really uh, be mindful, enjoy yourself. Something I've been mindful of, I think I talked about on this podcast, is how often I have negative thoughts, self defecating uh, thoughts. And uh, it's often frequent right now, currently. So um, that's something we can all work on. Be mindful of that. Take moments to uh, take in a little, little air, a little oxygen, maybe make a gratitude list. Nice way to start the day. What are you grateful for? What am I worried about right now? Is it worth worrying about? You can ask yourself, why am I worrying right now? Is this something I can do about it? If there is, do it. Don't worry about it. Just do it. And if there isn't, don't worry about it because there's nothing you can do. Am I right? That's good advice. Anyways, today's episode is with my my buddy, my relatively new buddy, Ian Lara. Do you guys know him? Wonderful comedian. He's been on one of the late nights. I think the Tonight Show. He's a regular over at the Comedy Cellar. He does uh, a lot of colleges, I think. And um, I usually see him at the Comedy Cellar, The Stand. He's also there a lot. He's a great guy, as you're going to see and hear. He's hilarious. Go check out his stuff. Uh, he opens for Norman a bit on the road, or at least he was. Maybe he graduated from that. I don't know. He's doing a lot of work. Hilarious guy, good guy. And in comedy, you know, any business, I guess, when you're out, you, you kind of have your list of people you're happy to see. You hope are there. You're excited. Sometimes you check a lineup and you go, oh, this guy's there. Great. So uh, he's on that list for me now. So it was fun to talk to him. We talk a bit about uh anger therapy growing up and uh, how you change uh self-consciousness we get a little bit into political correctness in this uh woke pc culture uh for a little bit i know people get a little tired of hearing of that you can fast forward it uh but i thought it was interesting and uh, it was a great conversation it flew by this podcast sometimes i'm nervous i'm like oh god do i have enough i had some notes never even looked at them once Great, uh, great conversation. Enjoyed the hell out of it. It was a Sunday. We both had been traveling. We both just got back from the road and uh, it was nice. And I'm going to see him tonight. By tonight, I mean the time of me recording this. But if you're listening on Thursday, 
which many of you do. I really appreciate it. It heartens me to see all the people that listen to it right when it comes out. I appreciate the nice comments, the emails. Like it, share it, review it, five stars, leave a nice review. If you're watching on YouTube, leave a nice comment, a thumbs up, share it, get that algorithm cooking. And, uh, and thank you. And for God's sakes, be nice to yourself and take care of yourself and take care of each other. I've been listening and reading a lot of Kristen Neff, who her big thing is self-compassion. I'm trying to practice more self-compassion. I think you should too. Here's something to tell yourself when you're beating yourself up, you're feeling down. This is from Kristen Neff. This is a moment of suffering. Suffering is a part of life. May I be kind to myself in this moment. May I give myself the compassion I need. Hmm? Give yourself and some others some compassion. Enjoy this conversation with Ian Lara, hilarious comedian. Go check him out. Oh, my thing was crooked that whole time. Damn it. So is my teeth in my face. get to the bottom of you oh yeah you have to click okay now they ask you permission yeah isn't that funny you could just be like oh i'm being recorded i'm out of here i'm not yeah <laughs> well it's good it should be that way i think it's for jeffrey tubin specifically right right yeah yeah although he was like like he knew you know it was a recording yeah he was like mid-conference i feel for the guy because you know uh i've been in plenty of zooms where i'm like i, I wouldn't mind jerking off right now <laughs> You know, and um, I guess you forget your cameras on or whatever. I don't. I don't know how exactly it happened or what happened. Yeah, he he's back. Actually, he's back on CNN. I I wish I would have caught like his comeback. Like you know when they're like they gotta apologize. <laughs> like hey, hey guys, I'm sorry I've jerked off. But back to politics. Well, I didn't see it, but a friend of mine saw it. Who's been in his own trouble with masturbating, but. I don't want to, I don't want to name names, but he was telling me he was watching and on the show, this is so funny to me. Sarah and I were laughing about it. He came out and was like, yeah, I've been doing volunteer work with the homeless and feeding homeless people. And it's such a hilarious idea. It's the most 2021 thing that you get caught on camera exposing yourself and the anecdote to that or the answer to that is to feed homeless people. And I just don't understand what one has to do with the other. I think it's hilarious. I picture him like at a homeless shelter and they're like, like what are you in for? And he's like, it's jerk, <laughs> jerking off on camera. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, got to do three months. <laughs> it's like unbelievably fun. Like he didn't go to like sex addiction or anything like that. It, you, I guess you just have to do something that people can be like, okay, he's back. Yeah, but I, my, I wonder who are these people? Like, who are these people? Because most people feel how we feel. Most people are like, why are you with the homeless? <laughs> <laughs> who are the people that are like, all right, now you could come back, <laughs> you know? It's, well, it's very like, weird. Like, is it corporations? Is it, who is it? I think it's part corporations and just people on Twitter, I guess. I, it's the time we're living in, and it's, uh, I don't know. It's weird. It makes you want to be less and less involved in that corporate area. Right, um, but, right. Because then they, they, they come for you eventually. Now, do you worry about that stuff? Is that something that you're nervous about with, I mean, you have a bright future? Well, I, I often have this conversation with uh with Norman where I'm like, I don't, I don't worry about it because I try not to exist in that world. Like I don't like, 
I'm on Twitter, but I don't really tweet, which I know it's not good. As a comedian, you probably should tweet. But like every time there's like a comedian problem going on, I just kind of read it. But I'm just like when I go out to the clubs, you never see the the problem in person. Like it's only on Twitter, like in person, everyone's just hanging out and cool. Yeah, no, that's an amazing thing about this stuff. And that's where it does take a lot of like it's a lot of ego of like the ability to let go and not worry about what people are saying about you and stuff, because yeah, like Shane Gillis obviously got fired from SNL and, yeah. and, and all that stuff, but he's at the cellar. Nobody's ever like, get out of here. You son of a bitch. It's just like, Oh, they, this Shane. Hey, what's up, man. And it kind yeah. of passes, which is easy for me to say, cause I wasn't in the middle of it, but right. So many of these things, it does feel like if you just shut your computer, it's not even happening. I, it's a funny thing that happened with Shane. And I guess I won't say any names because I don't want to, I don't want to put this out there, but I remember when Shane, he had just gotten into the cellar. He had a couple spots and apparently there was another comedian who they had like back and forth on Twitter and it had gotten kind of ugly on Twitter. So Shane, the comedian was on stage and I see Shane come in and I'm like, Shane, are you up? And he's like, no, but me and that comedian had problems and I kind of, I want to talk to him about it just to let him know. Cause I'm working a club and we're going to run into each other. And I was like, wow, that's pretty, I was like, that's pretty big of you. You're just going to try to go up to him, like as a quote unquote man and squash the beef. And then I was like, and, and he was telling me about it. He was like, yeah, cause it got really ugly. Like we were going back and forth. And I was like, really? I was like, do you want me to stick around? Like, just so, cause this guy, you know, I don't know how it's, it might get ugly. You know, you want me to sit there? He was like, nah, I'm, I'm just going to deal with it. If it gets ugly, I'll just get, you know, whatever. And then the dude gets on stage and they just laugh. To, like he sees it and they just laugh. And Shane's like, hey, man, I just wanted to talk to you about the beef. And he's like, yeah, there's no beef. Let's talk. I was like, so is there like, is Twitter real? Like, I don't understand. Like, I thought there was going to be a full fight. Like I'm from, a, you know, I grew up with like somebody's talking about each other. And then when you see each other, it's going to be a fight, you know? Yeah. But they hugged. It's, that's happened to the few situations. A few situations with, with Shane, with Louie, a lot of these places where people are one thing on Twitter and then just a completely different thing. But that's most of life, it feels like. I mean, that not to like make this grander, but maybe it's a big thing. It does feel like that goes that way with like any kind of, with, with fights like this on Twitter and and uh, virtue signaling but also with like any kind of bigotry and racism doesn't it feel like most of these people not not all but a lot of these people that like hate gays or muslims or whatever then they're in the presence of them and they're like hey hey how's it going oh i didn't realize but you're not like him like people it's like the um you know like people when you people are around you you don't it's much harder to hate them don't you find that or is, am i crazy sure. i mean I, I, I think that's the thing with being in a liberal city to the middle of america where you know they don't have that many muslims and gays and jews so they think they have these opinions based on them but if you grew up next door to them obviously you would feel um better about it sometimes i have like because I feel like it's certain comedians that are always in that Twitter warfare where they're always <laughs> fighting somebody. And sometimes some of them are my friends. Sometimes I feel like chiming in where I'm like, this per I'm like, this person's a nice guy. Like you're a nice guy, but they're pretending not to be on Twitter. And I'm like, you're a nice person. Like every time I've met you, you've been nothing but nice and kind. And every time like this, 
this persona that you have on Twitter, it's not really who you are, but I guess you need it to survive the Twitter sphere. Yeah, it's straight. And that's uh, is what is so unbelievably sick about social media, because there's so many people I have to mute on social media or just can't look because I like them as a person. I think they're like exactly what yeah. you're saying. They're like a nice person. And then yeah. they're just like attacking a person. And the yeah. wildest thing to me I see on Twitter is when I'll see somebody attack a person, be like, this person shouldn't be able to work and they yeah. suck and they're this and that. And then they tweet like four other times unrelated to that. Yeah, like, like it has nothing. Like you're just like, trying to end somebody's life, basically. Yes. I'm <laughs> like, you're trying to, you're fucking with somebody's life and well being. And then, like, yeah. 10 minutes later, you're like, I'll be at the Brooklyn uh, bar tonight. Yeah. Also, um, hey, there are new changes in climate change or whatever. Yeah, you're like, yeah. what is, so yeah. you're just like willy nilly throwing yeah. this shit out there it's really crazy so how are you with social i know you say you don't tweet a lot Do, what does your like screen time look like i mean are you my screen time is terrible i mean it's it's almost embarrassing to say i i just but i do everything on my you know this counts as screen time so this is gonna be an hour but my screen time is really really high um it, it's uh it's more than i'd like it to be it's about seven hours yeah of, okay. of screen time but i also I, I watch like i'll come home and i'll watch you know, like an hour of thing. I watch YouTube on it. I watch, I'm, I'm sending emails like my whole life. Like my, I feel like my life is never going to be people who have very, very low screen time. Generally, I feel like they have a, a type of job where it doesn't warrant them always being on their phone. Like if I had a regular nine to five where I couldn't be on my phone, then my screen time would be low. Right. But I'm so home all day sending emails and reading Twitter. So, so do you not have a, a computer? Yeah, I do. I do. I have, a, just, I have a laptop, but I just kind of use my phone because it's easier. I'm the, I'm the same way. I didn't have a laptop for like years. And uh, I remember talking, I, Yamanique was on my podcast one time and, and she was like, you know, get the fuck out of here. I'm not, no one's dating a man that doesn't have a computer. I'm like, well, I have a smartphone. I'm not like Amish. It's like, I do have an iPhone that I use, but that's yeah. how I am. Like I, I didn't start using my laptop until COVID, until we started doing everything on Zoom. Yeah, the only time me I too. Because I, I just texted and tweeted everything on my phone. Me too. I had one. I had like a, a regular Mac, but then I bought like a good like MacBook Pro during COVID because I was like, this is going to be my life now. But then I was like, everything that I could do, I could do on my iPhone. I'm like, I'm zooming on the iPhone. I'm not even using this expensive MacBook Pro that I thought I would need. Yeah, I'm always surprised. Like to me, these iPhones could cost five thousand dollars and i would pay them it's actually like if you yeah. think about it maybe i'm i don't know much about anything i'm an idiot but yeah. like to me like an iphone is like one of the greatest deals on the planet because yeah. what is an iphone now like 800 bucks or something like that i think it pushes over a thousand. Oh, okay but even still like when you think yeah. about like cost per wear well that's with clothes but whatever like oh we're course. on our phone four or five hours a day and it lasts years for sure. Yeah, it, it definitely is. It definitely is. And I try not to be on it. I try not to. But it's tough. It's tough. I can I'm good at not being on it. If I'm with people, though, like if I'm with people, I cannot look at my phone the entire time. Some people cannot be off their phone even when they're with people. But if I'm by myself, I have a, I have a tough time not being on it. Yes, I'm the same exact way. Like, and you were just on the road. I was just on the road. Like, yeah. when I'm on the road, I'm by myself. Like, and I'll feel it. Like, and this comes into like where mindfulness comes in. But like, I, I did. Like last night, I was in Kansas City, 
did two yeah. shows like pat first show sold out like it's the best i've ever sold in a place and just like ripped and all these fans and you're like riding high and then the second show was great and then you have like i don't know about you like i'll do a meet and greet and that's like more stressful than the show because it's yeah not, it's i don't know what i'm gonna say and sometimes people right. linger too long or i don't know what right. to say do you do that do you have that does that give you anxiety yeah, it doesn't it doesn't give me anxiety so much because I've like from I, I opened for Mark for a long time. And from opening, I kind of learned how how to handle the meet and greet where you kind of just be a character that they think you are. You know, you don't really like if I were to be myself at a meet and greet, they would be like, what's what's wrong? Like, what's, what's your problem? <laughs> That's what I deal with. <laughs> yeah. So I learned from Mark. It's like you have to. I, I see him do it where it's like 15, 20 minutes after the, you have to keep that same stage thing on with them. So like when they come around, I'm just kind of just joking around being fake, but I, I have to do it to get through it. Cause if not, I would just be like, what's up. <laughs> That's it's funny. Cause you bring up Mark because Mark is involved in my situation because we, you know, we do the podcast together. So we're closely yeah. uh, associated yeah, and our podcast is pretty wild. So like, yeah. I'll do the show and people come up after and they're like, you want to go get drinks? They're like motorboating me. They're calling yeah, me. Yeah. They're like grabbing That's my balls. Does. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I don't, I'm not interested in that. And I always yeah. feel like I'm letting everyone down because I'm just like, oh, oh thanks yeah. so much. Thank I'm like looking at my shoes like an asshole. And yeah, like, I, ha Sorry, I have thank to say, you. I actually have to say, that you bring it up. I have to say thank you because I've had people, I've had, I feel like I've had more people come out like, hey, I'm a Tuesday. Joe and Mark have mentioned you on the podcast. So I came out to see you. But my opener, I was in uh, Illinois. I was in Aurora, Illinois. And my opener was a Tuesday that heard you guys mention me and saw that I was coming and requested the club. Could he open? Oh, wow. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So your your reach is, is, uh, is huge. And one of the things that um, we were actually just talking about this, one of the things about the podcast that comedians love the most is that you guys would be honest about how terrible thing like when you bomb you'll be like yeah second show was rough yeah well mark I, sometimes i think mark is full of shit there because like every he stopped doing he doesn't do it as much but like half the podcast he'd be like oh, i bombed i ate yeah. it and i'm like yeah did you because i've never seen you bomb ever yeah um but yeah I, I don't know i guess some of the but now i would hope he's doing great because he's selling out so it's his right he, yeah he I've, I've been at gigs where he's like i, <laughs> I ate it and i'm like <laughs> no you didn't but i guess it doesn't it doesn't make for good podcast to say first show was great second show was even better well that that's the thing that happens in comedy a lot too i don't know if you've ever experienced this where like you'll do a gig if it's like a one night or even a club you'll do bits about the room. Like the lights are too bright. I'm like, Hey, can I get these lights brighter? Or the, the, the it smells yeah. in here. And then afterwards they're like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Or they start fidgeting the lights. I'm like, no, I don't care. I'm just trying to get laughs. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. That happens. But you ever had the opposite happen when you're serious about it and they think it's a joke <laughs> that happened to me last night. The first show was fine. And obviously I'm not some draw. Second show was light, maybe 30 people. And this is a new room that fits like 400. So in the middle of the show, the waitress starts cleaning up the room, like the all the empty tape, like fixing the table. So you just hear like chairs dragging and tables dragging. She did a whole side. I, I let her do a whole side. And then she tried to come to the other side. And I just stood silent while she moved it so she could hear how annoying it was. 
And she was just like, I'm sorry. And I was like, yeah, could you just not clean up while I'm doing that the is, show? Like, I'll help you clean after. That's that's hilarious. I love that's such a funny trade. I will bust the tables if you just stop doing it right now. Right, right. If you just I'm trying to every time I was like trying to pause for silence, you'll just hear like her moving a table, wiping down a table. So sometimes you like mean it. You're like, no, seriously, could you please stop? Yeah, no, I've I've had that and by the way, that's like such a great way to deal with somebody that's a disturbance is to just stop talking. Like when someone's talking, you just stop yeah. and let everybody hear. And then they slowly realize like, cause they're not, they're not even paying attention. And all of a sudden they're like, right. Oh, the noise changed. Right. And it's just right. me talking, yeah. uh, which yeah. is great. I'll, I'll generally do that a lot. Like even with hecklers too, like I, I I've seen comics just lose it on a heckler. Like just, I've never ever done that in my life. I'll always kind of just be like, could you just stop? Yeah, that's that's what I do now, too. And again, it's like I feel like I'm disappointing people because they're like, what do you say with a heckler? I always say like, hey, uh, you're distracting me. I would love it if you would just quiet down. Because yeah, that's exactly what I say. People think it's fast. Like I've had people think it's fascinating. Like I've had other like road on a road like comic come like I've never seen anybody do that. I'm like, ask somebody to be quiet. <laughs> just politely ask somebody to be quiet. No, it's better. And I've been saying this for years. Like I would see comics have these like snap sets and they'd just be like, fuck you, you bitch. And I, I afterwards I'd be like, can you fight? Like, do you know, do you know how to That's fight? Someone? The same thing. It's it goes back to like the same thing we was talking about Twitter. Like I don't do the Twitter thing because I just, from the, like how I grew up, if you had problems with somebody, when they saw you, there was going to be a problem, you know? So right. if I'm talking to you like that on stage, if I talk to you like that on stage, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, as soon as this show is over, I have to be ready to fight because we're going to fight after the show. And I don't yeah. want to fight. So why would I? No, you know? it, exactly. It's weird when comics handle that. And I've said that before, too. Where I'm like, is that how you handle like a fender bender? Like, would you handle that if it wasn't comedy, if you didn't have a microphone and a doorman and you were at Chipotle and they didn't give you enough hot sauce? Would you be like, fuck you, you bitch? Like, <laughs> well, like, I think I think some people do like I've had people react like that. Some I think some people are just not they've never like really been punched in their face. So they don't really think that that's an option. Right. So they'll just talk like I've been I've had like people just like yell at me, like in the thing where I'm like, why do you think that I won't punch you in the face? Like not me specifically, but just anyone. Like, why do you think that you won't get punched in the face? I feel like because you're from Boston, you probably saw it so much where you like, you know, it's possible. That's exactly how I feel. And this is where like I get like uh, like I, I start to feel old or like more conservative in ways where I feel that way with Twitter, like Twitter trolls and stuff where I do feel like. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm like, I try to be a good practicing Buddhist, but there's times where I'm like, no, there's a place for violence in our society yes. where I'm like, how about I fucking smash your face through a piece of glass and then <laughs> right, you can stop right. tweeting bullshit at me. I mean, right. you do have that. It's hard to not have that. Now, where did you grow up? I'm from New York. I was born in Brooklyn, raised in Queens. Oh, where in Queens? In Ozone Park, South Ozone Park, right by JFK. Oh, no, that's where uh, Goodfellas. I think we've maybe talked right. about this before. Right, yeah, right, right by there. Yeah, right by there, right in that in that, in that that area. And what um, was that like? Was that like a tough neighborhood when you were growing up? You must have grown up, I guess, in the 90s, right? Yeah, I mean, the 2000s. I was born in 1990, so I was 10 to, you know, 2000. So I, I count, like, after 2000, my formative years, 
I was in Brooklyn till 2000. Um, it was okay. In Brooklyn, I was in East New York. That was really bad. I remember I was that kid, but that was really bad. Like I lived in a, in a really like crime infested neighborhood. It was, it was close knitted, but it was a lot of like, as a, I remember being as a young kid, like hearing a lot of gunshots and seeing like, you know, they put candles out on the street because somebody got murdered at the bodega last night. You know, so the bodega's closed for the morning. It'll open up again at one because someone got murdered last Jesus. night. Now, yeah. how, what ages were you before you moved to Queens? I was I moved when I was 11. I was 11. Oh, OK. So those are you have like solid memories. It wasn't like you were. Yeah. two. Yeah. Yeah. I have solid memories. And then I was in a I was in a, a, a like public school that was pretty rough. It wasn't the worst, but it was rough around the edges my family actually like i feel like they did the fresh prince thing like you know fresh prince his mom sends him to bel-air for like to get him away from the thing but my mom we just went 10 minutes across town to queens to south ocean park queens which was literally 10 minutes from east new york but it was a much better neighborhood that's the most fascinating thing about new york and america really like i I always think of like new haven connecticut i don't know if you've been to new haven but like you have yeah my my dad yeah Oh wow! So I just I just happened to pick a city that you have like family roots. In. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My like, dad, well, he's in Fairfield, but it's right there. But New Haven said so like you have the Yale campus. You walk around. Yes. You're like, this is Yale. This is where I don't know what president, how many presidents went there, ten or something. Yeah. And it's just these grassy knolls and pastures, and it's it's fucking Yale. It's Ivy League, the elite America. And then you walk like three blocks off campus and you're like, oh shit, I got to pick up my pace and get the fuck out of here. Which is like America in a microcosm, I guess. But it's wild to me. I never understand exactly how that works. I'm sure there's some, uh, like, why isn't, why does the crime just stop? I feel that way where like in my neighborhood now in Astoria, like six blocks one way, it's projects. And I don't even know how, uh, yeah. how, how much crime there is or whatever, but it is obviously lower income projects, but there's yeah. never any issues over here. It's just all old Greek ladies. Yeah. I don't know why it's like a, it's like a yellow tape, right? Around right. the thing where outside the yellow tape, you're okay. But if you find yourself inside, it's uh it's dangerous. Cause I like, I, where I moved is literally maybe eight minute drive from where I used to live. And it was night and day. I used to, like, I think that was why, like, in my teenage years, I used to have, like, real anger issues. I feel like I've kind of, like, calmed it down. Like, I'm a pretty calm guy now. Like, it's very rare that I lose it. But, like, growing up, I was kind of like the Joe Pesci character in Goodfellas, where I would just, <laughs> I would just lose it. Like, like wow. anger, lose it. Ready to, like, like, I was willing to fight to the death at, like, <laughs> eleven. No, what what calmed you down? Also, were you tough? Like, could you kick ass? Were people afraid of you, or were you just kind of? I, I never really. I, like, no, I would say no. I, I would say no. But I think like seventy five percent of fighting is just being willing to fight. Right. Like you don't really have to win. Most people don't even want to fight. So if you're willing to get your ass beat. Like you've won more than half the battle, I think. And I think that was like the thing where it's like, if somebody wanted to, they could have kicked my ass. I wasn't like a big dude, but most people just didn't want to tussle, you know? So, yeah. no, it's scary when someone's threatening to fight or willing to fight. Yeah, it is scary because it puts that thing in your head of like, shit, if they're willing to fight, they must have some fighting skills. 
Right. And I didn't. I don't. I, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. But you just kind of I, I, I realized that I used to like lose it so fast. Like it was really my dad pointed out to me. He was like, what's what's the problem? Like, why do you lose? Like you have a good life. Like you're in Queens now. You're in private school. Like what is this anger that you have? And he kind of pointed it out and I kind of just started working on it. And now it actually takes me like a lot to lose it. Interesting. Now, did you go to therapy at all? Are you a therapy guy? No, I'm not a therapy guy, but I, I aspire to be. <laughs> but it feels like you're doing well without it. I mean, do you feel like you need it? Because that anger must come from somewhere. Your parents were together? Yeah, they're, they're still together. They're still together. They've been together over 30 years. Not a, you know, not a particularly happy marriage. But just, you know, those type of marriage that we're together. What are we going to do? Break up? You know, the, like sure. the Catholics, like that's just what it is. But um, I don't I don't know where that where the anger came from. And I, I think I think I would do well in, in not do well, but I think I could uh, benefit from therapy, as can anyone, because but I, I also live in my head. So I kind of try to self-diagnose like everything where it's like I'm able to be like, all right, you have an anger problem. You need to deal with that. Right. And how have you dealt with it? Like, what do you think has changed? Are you active, like proactively doing shit or you just feel like you've gotten some success and it's calmed down? Well, somebody, I forgot who it was. Um, I think it was actually my dad kind of mentioned to me, like when you get angry, like when you allow somebody to make you angry, you've lost already. Like you've, right. you're, you're, you're coming from a dad, like you're, you're down 20 already. Like if you allowed them to get you to a place where you react, how you wouldn't normally react, you're already down 20 points on it. So I started kind of looking at it like that. Like I started kind of looking at it like it's a, like it was a competition where it was like, you're not gonna, I'm not gonna let you win. Like I, you're, you're trying to upset me. I'm not gonna let you have the thing that you upset me. So I'm gonna stay really calm. And then this might sound silly, but like from watching, I remember when Obama ran, that was 2008. That was my first year in college from watching like how he handled stuff. Like when they throw, you know, they threw everything at him. They said he was like, you know, not a, not American, a Muslim, all this thing. And he just kind of just stood the coolest. I kind of was like, Oh, I want to be like that. Yeah. that I mean, that's a great uh, inspiration. I mean, first of all, I mean, just to sidetrack, Obama is so unbelievable that he like fucked up the Democratic Party so bad because yeah. they just were like, yeah, I guess we just carry Michigan, Minnesota and Wisconsin now. And you're like, yeah. no, you had like the best ever. Like, yeah. it's like it's like if the right. bulls were like, yeah, yeah, it'd be like One. if the bulls after Jordan retired were like, yeah, we're just gonna cruise to the Eastern Conference finals. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. no, 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 you had that guy. Yeah, I um, think it's funny. I, I, I think it's 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 funny because I don't really care what your what people's politics are. Like, I have friends that are I'm cool with on both sides, but it's funny when people can't even admit like you can't admit that this guy's charismatic. Like that's funny. Well, something's going on there. <laughs> if they <laughs> if they don't see it, I mean, the yeah, but just I mean, maybe they're not they, they can't see past policy or whatever. But like as a politician, the guy's like unbelievable. Right. It was like watching Jordan. Like it was what Jordan was to basketball. He was to politics, and that has nothing to do with policies. It's just about how you handle yourself, how you speak, how you you know. And I when I saw that, I was just like, that's something I want to be. But don't get me wrong. I could still lose it if you if I'm, you know, if, yeah. I'm, if I bombed that night. So could so could Barry, I imagine. <laughs> I yeah, picture, right. I can well, picture I him flicking a cigarette on somebody and beating the shit out of him. I don't Maybe know. Not. I've never Maybe seen right. it. <laughs>
No, of course not. But um, that, sorry, just uh, just real quick. I don't want to go uh, political or talk about Trump too much. But I remember someone said something great about Trump is like everyone thought he was like this bullshit, fake politician and an amazing businessman. And it turned out it was the complete reverse. He yeah. was like a piece of shit, fake businessman and an amazing politician. Yeah, we had it yeah. kind of exactly uh, opposite. But <laughs> Again, if we talk more about politics for more than five seconds, we're going to lose everybody. So, yeah. um, so back. So you moved to Ozone Park, and is that when you started to cool down, or did did you have that temper through your teenage years, like high school and stuff? Um, I kind of had it to high school, but like I said, like I wasn't really a big dude. Like I was like I remember going into high, like my like freshman year of high school, I was like five one. So it was kind of like either you calm down or you're going to get your ass beat. Like, so, (laughs) so that was big motivation to like, let me just chill out. And plus I was mad at nothing. I think it was just those rebellious, you know, teenage years. Like I wasn't really mad at anything. Right. There's an interesting thing. I'm a big Sam Harris guy and his app, the waking up app. I talk about it every episode and it's like changed my life. It's an amazing uh, meditation app and has all this great stuff, but he always talks about it. And like, he's a neurologist too, that, in order to like be mad, you have to actively be recalling the thing you were mad at. Like the actual length of mad is only a few seconds unless you keep recalling that thing. Like if if somebody walks up to you after a show and says, hey, you fucking suck, I hate you. You're mad in that moment. But if you've just stopped thinking about it, it cools off. Your life has moved on. You're back. You're talking to the next person. You have to sit there and be like, oh my God, they called me that. That's the thing with like, breakups and resentments all that stuff you're just recalling the thing that happened and you don't have yeah. to do that it's funny uh it's funny you say that because i definitely have thought that i've thought that i've like literally been about to black out and then i'll just be like i'm cool right, right. like like just like that like literally about to reach my like max peak anger and then i'm like nah never mind yeah, that's an amazing skill. And it's almost like, a, and this is what Sam Harris says all the time, it's almost like a superpower if you have that ability to recognize. And that's mindfulness, essentially, is to be like, where am I going with this? Why don't I can just let this go? And yeah. we'd all be better off in our society if people practice that stuff and had the ability to do it of like, oh, I'm just recalling this thing that's already happened and passed. Yeah, and I'm actively trying to do it. Like, that's the thing. Like, sometimes I speak to people who think that I'm like, well, quote unquote, well adjusted. And I'm like, no, no, I'm actively trying to fix these problems. You you know, I don't, I'm not, I don't just wake up. Like I want to punch everyone in the face. Right. right. (laughs) Just actively try not to. No, I relate to that. There's people I've met in like the last year or two uh, and they're like, wow, you're like so calm or whatever. And they like come to me for like anxiety advice, which is nice. Yeah. And they're like, it doesn't even seem like you're ever angry. And I'm like, no, I was like a complete psychopath, like not that long ago. And it is like this full-time job. It reminds me of like, again, we talk about like these supreme athletes, Jordan, or like, I remember Ted yeah. Williams having this thing of people kept being like, oh, you're such a natural hitter. And he's like, natural hitter. He's like, I work like 10 hours a day. This is all my, like these people are like to the detriment of their entire well-being. That's all they work on. Yeah. And people are like, oh, he makes it look easy or whatever. But that's how I feel. It's like, I, I always, I have a friend, I always say to him, like, it's a full-time job for me to not be a complete psychopath. For Yeah, for sure. Like same, same thing where it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, man. I'm trying. 
Now, do you uh, meditate or anything? Like, what do you, what do you do? You just kind of actively on your own, just think. Uh, yeah, I'm just kind of always in my head. Like, so I'm always like self-diagnosing the issues. Like, it's like a, it's like a check engine light comes on in my head, and I'm like, find the root of the problem and try to like address it, try to fix it. So that's kind of like what I do. But I would like, I want to, I want to go to therapy and stuff. I have like, I, I, I deal with anxiety sometimes, like where I'm, I'm like. Right. Like, I'll just be worried about and then I'm just like, but I can tell myself, like, what are you worried about? There's not what are you like? You're not worried about anything. It's just a feeling of worry, but nothing right. concrete. So when I'm trying to like self-diagnose, I'm like, stop worrying. But that's not exactly how you stop worrying. So that's like, you know, you end up in, the, in that in that big uh, perpetual hamster wheel where you're like, I know I'm worrying. I shouldn't worry, but I can't not worry. Now I'm worrying about worrying and stuff. Yeah, no, it, it's brutal. I mean, that sounds like like basically generalized anxiety disorder, if I may diagnose you. Oh, thank um, you. Now I got to go to therapy. Yeah, you just go in and tell them, say, Joe List said I have generalized anxiety disorder. Yeah. But no, I, I mean, I was having that yesterday. But it the first step is that like, the mindfulness of being like, Oh, I'm in a I'm in a thought loop. I can't I'm worrying. And yeah. it's so like counterproductive and frustrating. But it is like the first thing is just the acceptance of like, at least accept that I'm anxious and acknowledging that it's anxiety. Cause a lot of times you're just, most people are just walking around believing their thoughts, which yeah. is like, again, like is like the worst thing for our society. And <laughs> right, then they right. to avoid those thoughts. They go to social media and end up fighting with some person <laughs> they don't even know who they actually would like if they sat down with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, like it's only when I'm by myself, like when I'm around, people i'm good like i'm 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 fine like i'm I, like when i go out to do shows i'm i'm okay i'm fine but by myself then i get this that's why like it it i think i haven't reached like i haven't tried to get therapy because i feel like it's so manageable like the only thing i feel like it really impedes is when i want to write like when i sit down to try to write i just can't even get like a sentence out because i have a worry over me and that's where like my mind is focused so like sometimes for like example yesterday I was I was on the road and I was trying to spend the afternoon writing I wrote for like five not literally wrote but I sat down trying to write for like five hours just because I couldn't like get in the thing and I ended up like what I the finished product was like maybe eight sentences that's what's crazy about comedy is that like like the amount of it that's failing is just insane right like there's just so many thoughts and sentences that you're like I, the next day or like an hour later you're like i don't even know what this is i don't know what i yeah. was thinking about there it's so much but i mean that's amazing that you have the ability to at least try to write for five hours but i mean try i mean but it's failing. like it's not like i wouldn't even like it's it's a complete failure like but then you have times where you like where i'm thinking so clearly where i'll sit down and come up with three minutes in 30 minutes. Right, right. Yeah, it's weird because you're in whatever. Sometimes I think it's because you're in like a better mood. That's what's so funny to me about there's this idea of comedians being like these tortured artists, which they they are to some degree. A lot of people are obviously. Yeah. But like I can't write when I'm anxious or sad or down. Or right. depressed. I have too. to be like in a good mood to come up with me, funny stuff. Me too. Same, same. That's why like when I hear you hear this a lot when you're coming up as a comic, they're like, you have to do the, these terrible rooms so you could bomb and suck. And that's the only way you're going to get better. 
And from day one, I've always been the complete opposite. I can only write and I can only improve when I'm feeling good and I'm watching good comedy. That's why sometimes like when I'm at the cellar, I'll just go watch like a comedian I enjoy watching because I just like I want to put myself in a good mood. Like I'll see them do well and it'll put a battery in me like you have to better your stuff and I'll want to do better. But like these people that are like, oh, I don't watch comedy i don't have nothing to do i just do comedy i don't want to hear I, like i'm like how do you fuck how do you come up like how do you motivate yourself to to do anything yeah that's it's funny because that that stuff helps me so much and all these things i don't know if you have this i know a lot of people do all these things that are so good for me and so helpful for me i'm so reluctant to do like my natural instinct is to not do them. like my natural instinct in life is to isolate but just like you when I'm socializing, that's when I'm like the best. When I'm at yeah. like, the cellar, I'll go down there. I'll be anxious all day and I go to the cellar. And as soon as I sit down, it doesn't even matter who's there. Even yeah. if it's some people I like don't love seeing, I'm like, you, you start talking like we're talking about. It's like a person that at home on social media, I'm like, oh, this guy sucks. I don't know who he got past his comedy. And then you see them and you're like, hey, what have you been up to? Oh, that's crazy. I saw that movie too. And right away. And that's the thing is like, and all these studies of psychology and all this stuff, being around other people, being social, we're social animals. Like it's the most beneficial thing is to be around other people. And I'm like reluctant to do it. I just isolate. I have it all the time on the road, like the opener, somebody like, Hey, you want to get lunch? I'm like, no, get lunch. I got to go to Barnes and Noble and read and write. And I'm just miserable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll generally take them up on that offer. Cause I don't want to be by myself and miserable. Yeah, I got to get better with that. Same with exercising and writing and all that shit. But so you don't have much social anxiety, it feels like you're comfortable. I I can be comfortable. I have, a, you know, I have a little bit of it, but I think I'm I think more than not having any, I'm good at faking it. Right. I, I can play like I, I'm I, I'm I can play the game, but that doesn't necessarily mean that like. I'm cool, you know, like I'm cool. Like I like generally where I'm comfortable is like a small group of people, <laughs> which is just, it's going to sound silly, but like a small group of like-minded like comics who we're all on the same wavelength, which is very simple and very easy. But that's where, you know, I rather that like I'm not like sometimes like last week, I, you know, Chappelle had his comedian ball and I went to the comedian ball and it's like a hundred comics. That's not exactly my ideal, you know, right. hang. I like By the way, small comic. One of the funniest things that's happened in the last couple of weeks in my life is you saying, I was like, well, how was the party? And you're like, it's whatever you imagine, just exactly what you imagined it would be. And I was like, okay, that's what I figured. And then a couple of minutes later, you're like, yeah, there was a stripper who came out and pulled clothes out of her pussy. And I was like, wait, that's not what I was imagining at all. I'm like, that's definitely not what I was imagining. I was thinking like a dance yeah. floor. And like, yeah, like there was a girl and... in a balloon. There was a girl that put out a, a whole outfit out of her vagina and a purse out of her ass. I mean, I mean, that's insane. But no, I, I, I'm the same way. Like I need like a small group of people and it becomes like harder in some ways with comedy because comedy has become much more diverse. And I don't mean like racially or gender, but like, but in thought of what, yeah, what hanging out it like in the old days, I would feel like, oh, we're comics. We can say anything. And now there's a right. lot more comedians that are not into uh, a reverent, what I consider a reverent humor, and they consider, you know, hate speech. Right. right. <laughs> so I was, I, I was at Eastville. I was at Eastville not too long ago, and there was these two comedians 
um, I guess they were fairly new. I really don't know their name. I don't know who they were, but they were uh, talking about <laughs> Norman. They were just like, they were talking about like, oh, I think he's, I was just overhearing. I'm on my phone. I'm overhearing. They're like, yeah, he's, he's okay. But like, why does he have to continue to say the gay thing? Like, why does he have to say like, I'm gay? Like, what is that about? Like, like they were going on for like 15 minutes about it. And I wanted to like, like they couldn't make sense of it. And I wanted to like interrupt them and be like, you see how you can't make sense of it? That's why it's funny because it yeah. has no sense. It's ridiculous. It's uh, it's it's ridiculous. It has nothing to do with anything. It's just a senseless thing of saying that's the joke. But they couldn't like they couldn't fathom that that's a like they couldn't understand that's that humor. Right. I mean, there's a lot of that. And like I understand I, I, I try to always be uh, empathetic and see everything from other people's sides. But like some people I'm, I'm friends with Ari and people have that with Ari where they're like, well, what's the jo there's no joke here. And I'm like, well, the yeah. joke is he's saying a thing you not you shouldn't say like there yeah. is, there is a word. And I understand where I understand what people mean when they're like, that's not a joke. But to yeah. me, I'm like, well, when there's a situation where everyone's saying this and you say the complete opposite that in itself is a style of humor. That's the joke. And yeah. I certainly understand if you're like, I hate it and I think it sucks and it's not funny, but I'm like, that is the joke. Right. Um, to right. continually say you're gay, that's the joke. I mean, it's funny to say I'm gay right. in the middle of a sentence. It's funny about, to say you're gay when you're referring to waking up early in the morning and not getting sleep. You know, like I, I'm at the airport, I'm late, I'm gay. Like what? Those things <laughs> right. don't coincide. Right, right. That's what thing. But I think that's much way simpler, I feel like, in joke structure than what Ari does when he posts a video about somebody passing away. Yeah. I mean, again, don't get me wrong. Ari's a fucking idiot. And I, like, I understand people being upset, but I just that's where I, I my contention is with people that are like that's not a, there's no joke. And yeah. like sometimes it's funny to say something that's not you're not supposed to say. I don't know. But hopefully it starts to uh, people start to worry about themselves more. I think all these people could benefit from a little mindfulness and therapy, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. I, would, I think. I think I, I want to, I'm going to get into therapy. Now they do it over Zoom, right? It all comes back to you. Yeah, let's get it back to you in therapy. Um, I know, by the way, I don't want to imply that you, I think you need therapy. You seem like a very uh, healthy person mentally. I don't even know what that means, really. What do you mean? Like, like, like some people you talk to and you're like, this guy needs fucking therapy. When I talk to you <laughs> or see you, I'm not like, you seem like you're doing okay. But people. Yeah, yeah. But like, but like we said, but like I, well, maybe then maybe, maybe this is just life. Like I said, it's a struggle. You know, it's not. It's not just a doing OK line. It's a struggle where you like have to pull yourself up again. And then sometimes I have to pull myself down. Like sometimes, you know, you, you know, sometimes you could have a set at the cellar where you're like, I'm the best comedian in the world. <laughs> like there's, <All> the time. <laughs> there's no comedian that is doing what I'm doing. And you got to like, wait, go back to neutral. You got to like pull yourself down, go back to neutral. Because for me personally, if I allow myself to get high when I, when that happens, then when the bombs come, I'm going to get super low. So and I try to like. Yeah, you got to try to balance it. Absolutely. And it's all just identifying with thoughts. I mean, that's the thing of that's where the balance is and that like I said, that middle way is you have this great set. And so you have this thought of like, oh my God, I'm like amazing. And you, you start connecting to that thought and identifying with it, or you bomb and you're like, I'm a piece, I'm a, I'm a hack piece of shit. And you yeah. can't identify it. You just have to go, oh, that's thoughts. And those thoughts are just passing through. Yeah. And that's the, that's the thing with life. People, 
don't understand that it is an up and down. People in their mind think they want to be happy. And then you try to get, when you're not happy, you try to change something. And that's yeah. a mistake. There needs to be more acceptance. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't this a crazy, like it's a crazy business. Like, I mean, you've been doing comedy for 47 years and <laughs> a long time. The fact, <laughs> the fact that you could get off stage and think I'm a hat piece of shit. It's like, <laughs> how, how much do you have to prove to yourself? that you're like good at it you know no it's hard because like you you do have that thing it's that constant thing of like i just had this amazing weekend in kansas city and i was like god i'm i'm like a fucking killer but then i'm like but it's all dick and shit jokes and i'll talk to like other comics bigger comics that are like so what there it's jokes who gives a shit it's just yeah. that's what you're thinking of that's what you're talking about right now yeah. so but you always have that thing that's yeah. I, I was doing that all day today and yesterday again, like mindfulness of when you like keep track, like for the rest of the day, keep track of how many thoughts you have that are self-critical. It's almost, almost like, all. I would say like 80% of my yeah. thoughts are some almost kind all. of criticism. Yeah. But then I meet people who all their thoughts are positive and I think they're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this guy is delusional. Of course, of course. It's, again, it's like it's in the middle somewhere or, or maybe their their thoughts are critical. So they're portraying themselves as whatever. But no, yeah. there's definitely people like that, that you're like, oh, yeah. you think more of yourself than you should. Right, right. And I, I've heard you say the stuff about the dick and shit jokes. And I think it's one of those things where like only it's only a thing because you brought it up. <laughs> like if you didn't like point it out, like it, it legit is dick and shit jokes. But like people weren't thinking that. But you kind of you telling up and then you're like, oh, yeah, it is thick and shit. Though. Like, I feel like as a comedian, everybody has those feelings. Like sometimes I'm like, am I just doing all dating shit? Like, should I be doing stuff about <laughs> Antifa? Like what? I don't you know, like, should I be talking about <laughs> different things? No Antifa bits. We got too many Antifa. <laughs> right. Um, but then I had a, I had I, I spoke I spoke to Norman and he's like he's had the same thing. Where he's like, am I doing too much analogies? Is it too much rule of threes? Like it's. It's just being in your head and not like doing the act that's funny and people enjoy. Yeah, exactly. And and you just, I think you just have to be like, well, this is what I came up with. I always think of like Bob Dylan's always my go-to artist who not to like, I guess I am comparing myself to Bob Dylan because yeah. we're both artists, but the <laughs> idea like Bob Dylan, like, was like a, a folk singer and then like he started doing like protest songs like you know um what do you call that of the moment topical stuff and then he just went electric and started doing this weird prose shit and he was getting like booed off stage and he's literally like fuck you i don't i don't believe you and he just does that and then he makes a christian album and then he just does country western album he does not give a fuck about what anybody thinks yeah. about what he's doing he just does it because he's an artist. So I try to remind myself of that, of like, all right, well, this is the Dick and Shit album. <laughs> I smash you. <laughs> you know? The Dick and Shit special. I mean, so I, I try to think of it that way. Also, I, it's fun to think of Bob Dylan's not like putting out an album and then looking at Twitter and being like, all right, what are they saying about track six? Yeah, yeah. Can I ask one question about that, about the new hour? When you recorded your last hour, right, and you finished, yeah. and it was out there, what was the, like, do you remember the first bit you wrote for the new hour? Like, how well, did that come about? I had, well, I always, like, cheated. I have to cheat it where I'm like, I'll have, like, an hour and 20 minutes of stuff so I can have okay. an extra time, and then you just decide what to not 
the newer stuff that's already working because that way you have like a little bit of a head start. Right. I guess. But so I don't know. I can't like pinpoint which bit was like first or whatever. I just had extra stuff and I was like, all right, I'll save that for the next thing. Yeah. That makes I, it's funny. I had a comic mention this uh, the other day, which I thought was like a funny idea where they were like, they, they thought about just like, when they finish the hour, when they start the new one, just get like a brand new notebook and just be like, oh, this is the notebook for the new hour. And you just have it there. Like you see what was the first bit and then you have it there till the end. Yeah, that's not bad. I mean, that if you can do it that clean, like, but that I, clean, I have yeah. so much like overlap and then you're like, yeah. you kind of bring something back that you're like, that yeah. was kind of working. Yeah, um, that gives me more anxiety than anything right now. What's that? Having to like throw away... 10 years of almost of jokes and start over. No, it's, it's scary. And like, but that thing to remind, I always remind myself that helps is that anxiety. Like every comic, every artist goes through that. Well, comic, I guess specifically because musicians can keep doing the same songs, but like, I always think there's a moment in um, that HBO Torgasm. I don't know if you ever watched that. You were yeah. like 11 when it came out, I think, but yeah, yeah. Um, it's not, it's not great. It's not done great. But at one point, Gullman is like, I just don't understand how I'm ever going to come up with another bit again. And then he's had like four of the best hours ever since. Yeah. Then. So it's you always think that. And I remember being like, I need to retire. Like, I need to quit. Like, I'm never going to come up with stuff. I think that. Yeah. Um, like, but that's just anxiety. That's uh, this is where mindfulness comes in. That's anxiety. Yeah, it's insane because you came up with an hour. So ideally, you should be like, I could come up with it. And you've came up with like, what, three or four? So you're like, you should feel like I could do this. This is something I do, you know? Yeah, of course. It's never, we've never not done it before. Like my therapist is like, when's the last time you went a full year without coming up with a new bit? And I'm like, never. And he's like, yeah. right. So you just keep doing it. It just takes some effort. We'll do it. We'll yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I think... I don't know. I think some people, I think I need that to function. The feeling of I should retire and I suck. And I, yeah, I, I, I thought that for a while, but now I just am like, Oh yeah, I'll just, and now this is a better place to be is that I'm like, oh, I'll just keep coming up with material. It's fun. Well, you have it figured out, I don't, <laughs> but you will. I mean, eventually you, it seems to me, when I see you, you always seem like you have it figured out. You got a big smile. You seem to be enjoying yourself. You're doing well. Yeah, I had, a, I actually had a joke about that because I have a big smile. People think, like, that's how you trick people. <laughs> I know. Thinking, this person's harmless. Look at this smile. He's just happy. That's why I always went out of my way when people saw me to be like, are you mad at me? I'm going to kill myself because I want people to know that I'm really suffering. Uh, yeah, it's funny. It's funny because I've heard you. I heard you say that the other day and I was like, I've had that feeling when we were hanging at the cellar and it was Mackie's birthday outside. And I think you asked uh, Phil, you were like, what, what's the deal? Like, is he mad at me? Like, what's going on? Phil was like, no, not at all. But like, I know you were half kidding, but half serious. But like, I've felt that like I've literally have walked up, like left the table and just been like, they're mad. They're mad. I don't know what I did. Like, I just pissed them off. I don't know what I did. And oh. nothing happened. All the time. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've lived most of my life like that. I'm finally getting over it now. And the, for me, the key to that is, is this acceptance of like, maybe they're mad. Who gives a fuck? That, that's what helps me is like, I didn't do anything to them. If they're mad, they're crazy. Who gives a shit? And, that, it, yeah. and that's the hardest thing in my life and with therapy is trying to 
be okay with somebody not liking me because that's the way I've lived my whole life. I want everybody to be happy with yeah. me and like me and know that I'm a good person. And you yeah, to me too. Like some people may not think that. Me too. I, 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 I that's the thing too. Cause like I try to do good by people. I try to be kind. I try to offer help whenever I can in, in any way. So, you know, it, it, if somebody doesn't think you could kind of want to get to the bottom of it. Yeah, ex exactly. Cause you want, you want to prove to them like, no, I'm a good person. Look at this. Yeah. Look at this message I sent to this person. Look at these receipts yeah. of places I've donated. But yeah. that, again, that's like a losing battle. It's the same battle we talked about where people are trying to be happy all of their lives. You just have to accept, particularly when you're a performer, public figure, there's going to be a ton of people that don't like you. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I look at the people like I feel like the way Chappelle lives is probably the best way for your mental sanity, where he's like a way He's around, but he's not like he's not on Twitter. He's not on Instagram. Like he just has people because some people like the people who tweet every day. I'm like, that can't be like healthy that for the for your mental health. That can't be good. Like, no, it's not. That has to be detrimental to your overall health. I'll, have, I'll, I'll, I'll think of an I, I'll think of a tweet and get stressed out, <laughs> like not even tweet it. I'll just. Yeah, no, I, I always take that approach. And this is why I'm like behind some peers in my career but i'm like i tweet when i think of a tweet yeah and i'll post a photo when i take a knife i'm, I'm still like posting photos of sunsets like an asshole and everyone else yeah, is posting clips <laughs> yeah i'm like everyone else has got like quadruple the followers but i'm like i don't know i like photography it feels better mentally yeah 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 that i mean but uh, that's that's good that makes you you stand out because of that oh thanks because they're like, what's wrong with this guy? <laughs> <laughs> like, this guy's a fucking loser. He thinks he's a photographer. I've had people be like, I'm unfollowing you. There's no comedy here. And I'm like, well, I do fucking a, a full hour comedy podcast every week. I do sets every night. I got four specials and seven late night. There's plenty of places to find comedy. This is a piece yeah. of three. See, that's, that's, I, I like that. I like that attitude. It's like, what do you mean? Like, am I, do I just live to like, I, I do comedy. I do shows. I go out. You could come see me. I'm going to give you new comedy that you haven't heard. I have to entertain you 24 seven. I just live to entertain. I have to be tweeting. Something happens. You got to make a joke about the storm in the cap. You can't just be yourself ever. That's how I feel. I'm like, that's why I don't do that many Insta stories other than like promo stuff. And I just, I can't, I can't be just trying to create all the time. I got to live my goddamn life. Yeah. Same, same. That's why, that's why I don't, I don't tweet that much. Right. I that's why I like, that's why I enjoy this podcast too. Cause it's like, well, let's have a conversation with, it's going to be funny cause we're comedians at times, but let, let's just fucking talk about, you know, non hilarious shit. Right. Right. Which pulled yeah. off not being funny at all. <laughs> uh, but I think the stripper thing is pretty funny. That should be a bit. You should do that. That could be a bit. That's really funny about talking to somebody that's cooler than you. They're like, it's exactly what you'd imagine. I'm like, what do we think? Like Mountain Dew, Monopoly? And you're like, no, <laughs> no stripper. stripper. Yeah, we all did heroin. I'm like, what? <laughs> there was four strippers. Um, no, it sounds great. That's that's where I'm at in my life is that Dave Chappelle sends out an invite to a big party that starts at 11 p.m. And I don't even think about it for a second. That's where I feel peace. I'm like, ah, oh, that's not for me. And I go to bed <laughs> and just hear about it. And I get pleasure out of hearing about it from you young whippersnappers. Yeah, Rich Voss was there. I was like, what is this? <laughs> What's going on that's here? The case in point. <laughs> 
Um, well, yeah, thanks for doing the show, man. Plug, plug some shit. Is there anything you wanted to talk about that we didn't talk about? Is there, do you need any advice? Uh, I no, I think we covered a lot. We covered the, the, the lot of the stuff with the anxiety and the new hour stuff. Uh, I'm at Ian Lara. It's my name, I A N L A R A, live on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, I'm in El Paso, Texas, at the comic strip next weekend, Thursday to Saturday. If you have listeners in El Paso, Texas, I might I'll have one there. too. I don't know. This is a small there you go. podcast. There you yeah, go. We'll get, the, we'll get the ticket sales up to 30. Hell yeah. Thanks for doing it, man. I appreciate it. This is great. This is fun. Oh, thank you for having me, man. I appreciate I hope you had it. Fun. I had a good time. Yeah. It was a good talk. Is this one of those things where I had fun and then you're like, oh, that was awful? <laughs> this is my anxiety. No, it was good. It was good. I I, I had fun and it was, a, it was a thoughtful talk, which I knew it would be. I knew we would have. All right. Awesome. I didn't I think our views were like so like. Wait, what do you mean? Do we have opposite views? What? No, I'm saying I knew that we would agree oh. like on those oh. things. I didn't think that I was going to be like, so you didn't like the storming of the Capitol? And, and you no, didn't... that's why I got nervous. I was like, no, I'm just saying Trump is good at politics. I'm not like a uh, Trump guy. Was... Yeah, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> Even if you were, I'm cool with it. I don't want I, the, you know, I know the tweets that come with it. I, I appreciate it. Oh, boy. It's got awkward at the end. Fuck, I ruined it. <laughs> no, it was great. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate All it. All right, Joe. Mindful Metal Jacket is hosted by comedian Joe List. Produced by Joe List. Edited by Matt Kleinschmidt. Executive producers Robert Kelly and Matt Kleinschmidt for the Laugh Button Podcasts.